Sojourner True. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. Outrage grows at what some are calling a coup attempt by Donald Trump, which culminated on Wednesday, January 6th, the day the presidential election results were certified by Congress. But the certification was delayed as a mob, including white supremacists and QAnon Trump supporters, were basically allowed to invade the U.S. Capitol building, including the House and Senate chambers. One Capitol Police officer was killed, a woman Trump supporter, she was shot and killed by Capitol Police. Three others died from what are described as medical emergencies. Meanwhile, Capitol Police made only 14 arrests during the invasion and occupation. Protesters were assisted by Capitol Police, many of whom were seen uh, having friendly exchanges with the occupiers and even and also allowing them to just leave the building and in some cases helping them down the steps. This is in stark contrast with how Black Lives Matter protesters have been dealt with by law enforcement. And Democrats in the Congress are calling for the immediate removal of Donald Trump, either by use of the 25th um, Amendment or by impeachment. Several Trump cabinet members and staffers have resigned. The president had encouraged the crowd to march to the Capitol and to be strong. He has since condemned the violence and said there would be a peaceful transfer of power. Too little, too late, empty words, many say, considering the blame for what happened on Wednesday have been clearly placed at his feet. This in addition to the telephone call that he made to the Georgia Secretary of State, basically asking him to find votes for Trump so that Trump could be declared the winner in Georgia. And this is considered also to be an illegal act. Indeed, some are now saying that the coup in Washington, D.C., the attempted coup, was orchestrated with help from some members of law enforcement and the military. But the implications uh, are very, very wide. Our panelists are, it is our weekly roundtable, and our panelists are Laura Carlson, uh, Dr. Gerald Horn, and Jackie Goldberg. We live in a global world. We're all interrelated, so on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted women, communities of color, and other communities are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headlines. I'm Max Pringle with these headlines. Calls to remove President Trump from office are intensifying after his role in inciting his followers to storm the U.S. Capitol this week. The options are another impeachment or invoking the 25th Amendment, which allows for removal of a president who can no longer carry out his duties. South Carolina Democratic Congress member Jim Clyburn told CNN that House leaders are discussing another impeachment proceeding. Everybody knows that this president uh, is deranged. We know that. Uh, He came into office misrepresenting everything around him. And for him uh, to continue uh, to be tolerated by his party like this means that the party has a responsibility of doing something right away. 
Democratic leaders say an impeachment vote could happen next week if the 25th Amendment is not invoked. Vice President Mike Pence has shown no indication he'll pursue the 25th Amendment. Trump released a video Thursday indicating for the first time that President-elect Biden will take office January 20th. Criminal prosecutions of those involved in the storming of the Capitol are expected to be forthcoming. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos has resigned over President Trump's role in egging on rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol building. She joins Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao and others in distancing themselves from Trump. More from Feature Story News' Jaguti Darvi in Washington. She was one of President Trump's staunchest allies. But the day after chaos reigned in Washington, D.C., when crowds of his supporters stormed the congressional building, Betsy DeVos told the president she was resigning effective immediately. In her letter, she blamed Mr. Trump's rhetoric for the situation and said it was for her an inflection point. It comes as several Republicans joined the chorus of Democrats calling on Vice President Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove the president from office. And that's Jaguti Darvi reporting. Britain has authorized a coronavirus vaccine developed by Moderna, the third to be licensed for use in the country. Britain has ordered 10 million doses of the vaccine, although they're not expected to be delivered to the UK until spring. Benji Heyer reports from London. Moderna has become the third coronavirus vaccine approved in the UK. The country's pre-ordered 17 million doses, though they won't be available for a few more months. About one and a half million people in Britain have had at least one dose of a COVID vaccine so far, with the Pfizer-BioNTech and Oxford-AstraZeneca jabs also approved. And that's FSN's Benji Heyer reporting. India is staging the second phase of its nationwide trial run at rolling out the COVID-19 vaccine. The country hopes to have 300 million people inoculated by June. More from Saroshi Mukherjee. This exercise will help check for gaps in logistics and training. The government is organizing this large-scale practice run to also assess the capacity of cold storage and transportation facilities for the vaccines. India plans to vaccinate 300 million people by mid-2021 in what will be one of the largest vaccination drives in the world. And that's Sarushi Mukherjee reporting. California public health officials are considering ways to speed up delivery of COVID-19 vaccine to the state's most vulnerable residents. Lilia Vega reports. Public health officials want to increase the number of vaccinations by 1 million over the next 10 days. How are they going to do that? Well, first, by widening the pool of people who can administer vaccines. Another strategy to speed up vaccination is creating more flexibility around how to prioritize vaccines. Public health officials also briefly discussed funding for the state's vaccination efforts during the Community Vaccine Advisory Committee. I'm Lilia Vega for KPFA. U.S. employers shed jobs last month for the first time since April, cutting 140,000 positions. That's clear evidence that the economy is faltering as the coronavirus pandemic tightens its grip on consumers and businesses. The unemployment rate at 6.7 percent, the first time it hasn't fallen since April. Today's figures from the Labor Department suggest that employers have rehired roughly all the workers they can afford to after having laid off more than 22 million in the spring. That's the worst such job loss on record. The economy still has 9.9 million fewer jobs than it did before the pandemic sent it sinking into a deep recession nearly a year ago. 
President-elect Joe Biden is set to introduce the governor of Rhode Island, the mayor of Boston, and a small business advocate from California as the newest members of his economic team. Biden has announced that Governor Gina Raimondo is his choice to become Commerce Secretary, Mayor Marty Walsh as his candidate for Labor Secretary, and Isabel Guzman to lead the Small Business Administration. Biden planned to introduce them to the public during an event today in Wilmington, Delaware. With the picks, Biden moves a step closer to completing a cabinet he's pledged will be the most diverse in history. I'm Max Pringle. You're listening to Sojourner Truth on Pacifica Radio. And this is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. On Wednesday, January 6th, Donald Trump made his final attempt to solidify his grip on power in what many have described as an attempted coup. Thousands of Trump's right-wing supporters stormed the Capitol buildings during a joint session of Congress. The Electoral College vote was being certified, confirming the election of Joe Biden as president. The protesters had gathered in Washington to attend a rally um, called by Trump himself against the result of the 2020 presidential election. At the rally, Donald Trump encouraged the crowd to march to the Capitol building and actually said he would join them. Later that afternoon, the protests quickly escalated into a right-wing insurrection, uh, some are talking about sedition, resulting in the Capitol being stormed and occupied by Trump supporters. This took place after several earlier attempts by Donald Trump and his backers to overturn the election results. Congress was still in session at the time, carrying out the Electoral College vote count and debating the results of the vote. Trump's supporters easily broke past security to enter the Capitol uh, and the office, Senate, and, and also they reportedly shot into the House chambers. Offices of elected officials were occupied, including that of Nancy Pelosi. Some were looted. Notable for all the world to see was the contrast with how law enforcement has consistently violently attacked Black Lives Matter protesters when they have been peacefully protesting. Now five people have been confirmed dead from the events and others seriously injured, according to the uh, New York Times. One woman attempting to enter the House chamber through a barricaded door was shot by law enforcement and later died. Improvised explosive devices were found on Capitol grounds. Demonstrators backing Trump also held protests outside the state houses in Ohio and California, Georgia, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Arizona, Nevada, and Washington State, according to the Associated Press. Many of them also resulted in scuffles with the police. Let us go now. I think we have a the clip ready of a black woman in Los Angeles minding her own business walking down the street when she was violently attacked by Trump supporters who were protesting in downtown Los Angeles. And this is a concern uh, that uh, part of what might happen as a result of all of, of the promotion of white supremacy that Trump has done during his administration. And now his supporters are emboldened by what they were able to achieve in the nation's capital. Let's go to that clip now. The LAPD is looking into several fights that erupted in downtown LA during a pro-Trump rally yesterday. This after people have come forward saying the attacks were racially motivated. 
CBS 2's Joy Benedict has more from downtown. What may have started as a peaceful demonstration in downtown Los Angeles didn't end that way yesterday. And today, new heartbreaking images are surfacing from what many are calling racially motivated attacks during a rally in support of President Donald Trump. I don't understand what's going on with the world. I'm saddened by it. I'm heartbroken by it. Berlinda Nebo is the woman seen in these photos being assaulted. It's a shame that I can't walk down my street anymore. She says she was walking near the demonstration when she started being harassed by protesters. I'm walking by and they're yelling at me because of my color, calling me the N-word, calling me the B-word, saying all lives matter, black lives doesn't matter. Nebo says she yelled back and the crowd started following her and then it turned violent. He goes and smacks me in the face and then all of them start trying to jump me and then people jump in. These images were captured by freelance photojournalist Raquel Natalikio. When they started pushing her around, this other woman that was a Trump supporter came up to her and ripped her wig off. Obviously, at that point, she began to try to defend herself. Natalikio covers many events like this, so she didn't want to show her face for fear of retaliation, but says she had to speak out. It's disgraceful. I think it's disgusting. We're witnessing the very real racism that still lives in our country today. Nebo says it was strangers who came to her rescue, including this man with the red beard. He was whispering in my ear going, you're okay, I've got you. I've got you. Don't do anything. These people are literally trying to kill you. In the process of him trying to carry her away from the crowd, someone sprayed pepper spray in her face and others hit her, but she credits him for saving her. If not for him stepping in at that moment, these people would have literally tried to kill me. The LAPD eventually called an unlawful assembly. In all, six people were arrested, but none of them were arrested for assault or a hate crime. However, investigators have not ruled out further arrests. People of color experience things like this on a daily basis and are seldomly believed when they speak about it. Which is why Natalikio shot these photos and is hopeful to give not only this woman a voice, but proof that more must be done to send a stronger message against hate. It's real sad. We got to do better. We got to do better. Joy Benedict, CBS 2 News. All right, Ed, we'd now like to welcome our panelists and to say for our roundtable today, we're going to aim for three rounds. The first uh, part, the wider implications historic nationally, internationally of this attempted uh, coup and its aftermath. Uh, part two, what needs to be to happen now, both by Congress as well as by movements for change. And then we'll hopefully get to wrap our show up with a some comments and thoughts by our panelists on the Georgia election. I would now like to welcome our panelists. I'd like to welcome Laura Carlson, director of the Americas Program and works with Just Associates, an international feminist organization based in Mexico City. She's a regular contributor to America's Updater, Foreign Policy and Focus, Counterpunch, and several Spanish language publications. Laura is also a television host and commentator on globalization, the drug war, immigration, and gender issues for various international news outlets. Laura, welcome. Thank you, Margaret. Quite a day. 
I'm telling you. And uh, what what a, a way to start our first our first roundtable of, of 2021. By the way, all the best of 2021 to each and every one of you. Uh, Jackie Goldberg, we'd like to welcome her. Jackie is a governing board member for the Los Angeles School Board District 5. She is a former member of the California State Assembly. She had previously served as a member of the Los Angeles City Council. And before being elected to council, she served on and was later president of the Los Angeles School Board. Jackie Goldberg, welcome. Well, thanks for inviting me, and Happy New Year to everyone. Thank you. And Dr. Gerald Horn, the Moores Professor of History and African American Studies at the University of Houston. He's written more than 30 books. Well, we say that in jest because we know we've lost track of Dr. Horn. And he has yet another book that has just been published, another new book, and the title is The Bittersweet Science, Racism, Racketeering, and the Political Economy of Boxing. He's also the author of The Dawning of the Apocalypse, The Roots of Slavery, White Supremacy, Settler Colonialism, and Capitalism in the Long 16th Century. Dr. Horn, congratulations on your new book. and welcome. Thank you for inviting me. All righty. So uh, before we uh, just get into our discussion, let's let's just play a couple of things to help set the stage uh, for us. First, a short clip from uh, CBS about fears of new attacks. Uh, and this is something that is there's growing concern about because chatter is beginning to show up on uh, right wing uh, social media about this. And um, then the Capitol Police officer dying. Let's go to that right now. On top of all of the damage that was done inside the Capitol, a laptop that may contain sensitive national security information was stolen. Now, tonight, four people have died in the aftermath of Wednesday's riots. A member of the president's cabinet has resigned, and we are learning that the president and vice president are now at odds and not speaking at all. So while the Capitol building may have weathered that violent attack tonight, our democracy is still being tested. CBS News has learned that some of the rioters involved in Wednesday's attack on the U.S. Capitol have remained in the area, and law enforcement is concerned that they may be planning new attacks in the city and on federal buildings. Across Washington, D.C., the hunt is on as police and FBI search airports and hotels for rioters who ransacked the Capitol and may be planning more. On social media, there is chatter about making the next target the inauguration. A white supremacist telegram channel posted a reminder that the U.S. presidential inauguration day is on January 20th. It added that is the next date on the calendar that the pro-Trump and other nationalist crowds will potentially converge on the Capitol again. Today, D.C. police release photos of some of the rioters they are seeking to charge with the violence at the Capitol breaking windows, destroying congressional offices, and fighting police inside and outside the building. They had what appeared to be free reign of the Capitol, even Speaker Pelosi's office, where one protester left a message reading, we will not back down. To avoid a repeat of the chaos and destruction, the Secretary of the Army said the Capitol will be fortified by fencing. Tonight, there will also be thousands of National Guard troops deploying into D.C. to help secure the city. The nation's capital, under threat from what former DHS counterterrorism official Tom Warwick says is the textbook definition of domestic terror. An assault on the capital in an attempt to disrupt 
the federal uh, uh, election by the counting of the electoral ballots uh, really is, is an act of domestic terrorism and really needs to be condemned as such by everyone. At the height of the attack, Capitol Police say they were also responding to reports of two different pipe bombs. Their manpower was stretched thin. 60 officers were injured. Tonight, Capitol Police are being hammered for what members of Congress have called a total failure and are calling for an investigation into what went wrong. Sense of impunity that many of these attackers have by virtue of the fact that only 14 arrests were made on the Capitol grounds yesterday um, means they might come back. Veteran FBI agent Tom O'Connor says more manpower was needed from the start. I don't care who you are, you are in fear for your own life. And developing now, a U.S. Capitol Police officer has died. This is now the fifth death connected to yesterday's riot at the Capitol. Well, a statement from the department says that the officer was injured after physically engaging with rioters. Well, also new tonight, ABC News is reporting that Capitol Police Chief Steve Sun has now resigned. Well, several prominent people, including the head of the Capitol Police Union, have been calling on Sun to step down. All righty, so um, some heads are, are going to roll there. But Laura Carlson, we're going to start with you. And by the way, in that report, um, what has uh, happened uh, by the lack of security was referred to as a total failure. I actually don't believe that. I think it was planned and it was quite uh, successful. And Laura Carlson, the yeah. people, um, the insurgents, if you want to call them that, or the people who try to um, solidify Trump's hold on power, uh, an attempted coup, they're basking now in their success. Um, give us you know, your thoughts and reaction about the entire thing and also um, the wider implications, including global implications, Laura Carlson. Well, first of all, Margaret, I, like many people, am shocked by the images we've been seeing, but not surprised. And the, it's very important to call this an attempted coup because that's what it was. We prepared for this. There were materials put out what to do if a coup is attempted in this election, because everyone knew Donald Trump's attitude of not conceding power no matter what happened with the popular vote. And the criteria were that, to, that someone stops counting the vote, and of course he attempted that and failed, that a candidate declares himself the winner before all votes are counted, which he also attempted and it didn't work, and that someone who did not win the election is allowed to remain in power. This last one is precisely the purpose of the white supremacists who stormed the Capitol to stop the certification, even after all 50 states had legally reviewed and documented the results and had overcome more than 50 court battles. We know that this was not spontaneous. They brought gas, chemical irritants. They brought gas masks. They brought other equipment. We know that it was incited by the president himself with the march to the Capitol. And so what it's revealing is the fragility of democratic institutions in the United States. And it is very important that there be justice in these cases and full responsibility, including sedition charges. You know, the image of a Confederate flag in the Capitol and all the images of what took place there, the violence and the, the planned character of the whole assault is, uh, is extremely 
extremely grave threat to democracy in the future. It's not just something that happened. And the second point that you mentioned is the role of the Capitol Police in particular. Other law enforcement agencies were probably also uh, complicit with this assault on the Capitol and must be investigated, but the Capitol Police were notoriously complicit. Uh, Maxine Waters, in a New York Times article today, drilled the chief of police, Stephen Sund, on what he was doing to prepare for this. Everyone knew it was going to happen in one form or another, perhaps not as extreme as what we ended up seeing. Uh, and, and yet, when it finally came down, not only did we see a lack of any visible plan to protect the capital, the seat of government, but we also saw many images that implied complicity. And now that he has resigned, he still must be investigated. We have to be very firm on this point because rooting out members, high-level members of law enforcement, there's rumors that military were complicit and that other individuals, if not entire institutions, were also complicit, is absolutely essential to prevent anything like this from happening again. And you mentioned that not only was there evidence that, that the protesters were allowed to enter the Capitol, there was also evidence that they were allowed to leave the Capitol and, um, and that it, without being arrested. You see people filing out saying, we did it, we stopped the vote, you know, and cheering each other and filming each other, and no one is there to arrest them. They're not frisked for arms or for stolen property, of which there was much from the Capitol offices. And as you mentioned, only 14 people are arrested. So around the world, people are saying the United States has a $750 billion budget for defense, and they can't protect their own capital. Um, and a lot of questions are being, re being raised by that. The Movement for Black Lives sent out a mail that said, if anyone needs another reason to divest from police and reimagine public safety, remember that even in moments of domestic terror, police are incapable of standing in opposition to white supremacy and violence. And there's a, a, a very, very important lesson there. And then finally, on the international level, of course, there's been massive media attention to what happened in the United States. Um, and it has implied, as many people have noted, a loss of, rep of reputation. It's also implied the loss of the, the kind of the fall of the United States as a beacon of democracy. And frankly, this is not a bad thing. The United States has paraded its supposed commitment to dem democracy throughout the world and has often hidden behind that in, in ter to carry out regime change and truly anti-democratic programs of intervention in foreign countries. So for foreign countries to see that democracy is very weak and is under assault in the United States is a good lesson in saying um, all of us need to struggle all the time for democracy and no foreign country has uh, the right or the moral authority to claim to be the representative of that. There's a lot of memes going around calling it a banana republic, which is a racist and loaded term, and a lot of comparisons to the political instability that we've seen, especially here in Latin America. But it has kind of readjusted the, the whole perception of the U.S. role in the world, and it's caused both consternation, obviously, but also 
uh, recognition that the people have to fight for democracy, and it's not guaranteed everywhere. There's also been a lot of warnings of the extreme right as the greatest threat to democracy, not just in the United States, but throughout the world. And then finally, it's really the, the standing of the United States also as a security expert, as we know, it exports arms and it exports security training throughout the world. It's a gigantic business, is being questioned as well. The Business Insider spoke to sources in France and in NATO who said, you know, we train along these U.S. federal law enforcement to handle these very matters, and it's obvious that large parts of any successful plan were just ignored. So they're looking also at uh, these weaknesses in what happened, which I also am convinced, as you mentioned, were not, in fact, weaknesses, but uh, evidence of complicity. Right. Thank you. And and Jackie Goldberg, your thoughts? Well, first of all, I think that the horror that I had was not matched by anything I'd seen in my life up to this point. Uh, but mostly my horror was at the ease at which all of this was happening. And I've done uh, worked with security in the capital of the state of California, and I can assure you they know how to protect their capitals. And that they didn't means that there was collusion. I am absolutely convinced that whether there was collusion with the leadership or whether it was collusion with individuals. But this country has had a history. We have to remember, we've had a history of having law enforcement uh, wear a uniform by day and a hood at night with the Klan. This is not new that the uh, military and the police are infected with white supremacists. This is not new. This is not new. So whether it was planned to let them in or whether they just decided once they were there to let them in, but I saw through watching hours of those tapes that there were actually uh, Capitol Police taking photos with selfies with the people who were ripping off our Capitol. So there's a lot that has to be taken a look at as who is it that we're recruiting and whether or not their allegiance is to the United States or whether their allegiance is to the right wing and, and to all of those other folks. That's number one. Number two is, is that there were 139 members of the House of Representatives who, after the attack, went back in and challenged elections. And there were eight senators, amongst them, from California, Ken Calvert, Mike Garcia, Daryl Issa, Doug LaMalfa, and Kevin McCarthy. I served, oh, pardon me, Devin Nunez and Jay Obernolte. I served in Sacramento with LaMalfa and McCarthy, and it is not a surprise at all, at all, that these guys are willing to sell out the country in order to have their political ambitions realized, along with the others. But how do we go forward when you have 139, the majority of the Republicans in the House of Representatives, after the attack, willing to go back to where they were? How do we go forward from that? I do not know. Two things I know must happen. One is there must be an aggressive attempt to arrest absolutely everybody they can identify who went into that building. They must be tracked down by the FBI, and they must be arrested, and they must be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. One does not take on military-type sedition by saying, well, you know, if it, it'll just make things work, it'll make them matter. Nothing will make them matter than losing the presidency. Nothing will make them matter than Trump being not president anymore. 
So we don't have to worry about not making them angry. What we have to do is to tell them that there will be serious consequences to every single person we can identify. And by the way, probably it's very possible, I learned this in Sacramento, it's very possible that they actually know the location of virtually everyone who went into the building by pinging their cell phones. So it's not like they're going to have a hard time tracking them down, but they must be tracked down, every last one of them. And finally, the House of Representatives and the Senate in January 20th, after we have everybody back and we have a new president, they must go after those people who decided that their oath to protect, preserve and protect the Constitution of the United States was taken as a lie. Because if that was what they really believed, those 135 representatives and those two senators would not have gone back after the Capitol was attacked, after their own lives were in danger, and continued to support the Trump madness. And they must be punished, either by taking them and saying there's a censure, or by actually, I would say for Hawley and a couple of others, I would actually say that they should not seat them in the new Senate. But, you know, Ed Cruz, Ted Cruz, those two, Holly and Ted Cruz, they need to just go. And then in the meantime, we in California need to be pre 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 working on making sure that we identify funds and people to run against these folks that did this in California and every other state in the union. And we need to get rid of them at the polls. We need to tell them that when you say, I swear to uphold the Constitution of the United States to preserve and protect it against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that when you lie, you do not get to stay in office. You did not take that oath and mean it. You were lying when you meant it, because we know you were lying, because after the Capitol was attacked, you went back in and did the same trash trying to get rid of the votes of 169 million people. Now, that, that's, pardon me, 69 million people. That's just unbelievable. And so there has to be serious consequences, or we will see nothing but violence from these militaristic, right-wing, QAnon, bad boy, whatever the hell their names are, all of them are interested in overthrowing the government of the United States. This is not a joke, and it has to be taken seriously. Thank you. And, and Dr. Gerald Horn, I mean, certainly in history, we have seen white mobs, because that's really what it was, a, a white racist mob, okay, um, taking over state house in, in Louisiana, I think, in, on two occasions, and those being followed by attacks on black people, as happened to the attack of a black woman in Los Angeles. I think it was just yesterday. And in terms of com the, the military connection, a, one of, a large military base in California California, if you drive up the road to that base, there is a huge Trump, I suppose, compound with all kinds of Trump materials, et cetera. And I think it's an indication of they like to get close to these military bases because they're also recruiting. Um, so let's call it for what it is. Uh, Dr. Gerald Horn, your thoughts on all this? Well, I also would point to that article in the Business Insider that relies upon sources in the North Atlantic nation that cooperate with the United States in security, that suggests that this was not a failure of security, that it was an attempted coup d'etat. And in that regard, I would point to a very eerie op-ed that appeared in the Washington Post a few days ago uh, by 10 former Pentagon chiefs, the article authored by Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld, who 
warned the U.S. military not to get involved in U.S. domestic affairs. And when I was reading that on Monday, I was wondering, why are they writing this now? And now I'm afraid to say we know. I would also point in terms of all the commentary following January 6th, I would point to the comment of Congressman Jody Heiss of Georgia, who says, quote, of January 6th, this was our 1776 moment, quote, unquote. In other words, this was an attempted fascist coup and elaborated counter-revolution of 2021 to follow on the, follow on the heels of the counter-revolution of 1776. And if we do not take that seriously, it will be to our discredit. I would also point out what's happening contemporaneously. You pointed out all these simultaneous demonstrations that were taking place in state capitals. We already know that in Lansing, Michigan, people have been detained who are members of militia groups who plan to invade the state capitol in Lansing, blow it up, set it afire, execute legislators in an ancillary plan of seizing the governor, Gretchen Whitmer, who happens to be Jewish, by the way, and execute her. And I mentioned that latter point because I don't find it coincidental that January 6th follows on the heels of electing Georgia's first black senator and Georgia's first Jewish senator. Recall that about 110 years ago, you had a notorious lynching uh, of a Jewish American, Leo Frank, in Georgia, which helped to accelerate the involvement of many Jewish Americans in the civil rights movement. I think it's also important to point out that um, the U.S. ruling elite really has a dilemma. Uh, I noted with interest the comments by the National Association of Manufacturers that called for invoking the 25th Amendment to remove Mr. Trump from office, but the U.S. ruling elite has relied very heavily upon non-elite Euro-Americans to be the foot soldiers and cast votes so the elite can get tax cuts and deregulatory relief and other giveaways. But now it seems to me that that particular strategy may have reached the expiration of a shelf life, but I don't see any other out for the U.S. ruling elite but to continue to rely upon this non-elite Euro-American base. And the base also has a problem because contrary to the thinking of many of our friends on the left, that if you only raise the minimum wage and pass a Green New Deal and have Medicare for all, they'll be assuaged. I, I don't think so. I think that that underestimates their white supremacy. It underestimates the fact that they have a truer understanding of this country. When they talk about 1776, they're talking about going back to apartheid. Some of them may be talking about going back to slavery. And so these social democratic measures will not necessarily distract them or assuage them. And then U.S. imperialism itself has a problem, because as noted, uh, this has been very discrediting to the international image of Washington. Note that in the past few days, the European Union has signed a massive investment deal with the People's Republic of China. Recall that Mr. Trump has called the European Union second only to China as a threat to U.S. interests. Mr. Biden, in coming, wants to mend fences with the European Union. But I think the European Union has decided that Trumpism is not a passing fancy. It's a permanent part of the political landscape. And in some ways, the elite in Europe reads the United States better, I'm afraid to say, than a good deal of the U.S. left reads the United States, 
but still has this fantasy about how these ultra-rightists can be assuaged by social democratic measures when they can only be assuaged by a crackdown and imprisonment. And so, therefore, it seems to me that it's going to be very difficult for Mr. Biden to launch and continue this new Cold War against China. I don't think that the European Union would sign on, which means that probably India and Japan will not sign on, which means yeah. a further crisis for the European oh, Union. And so, in many ways, I think that historians will declare oh, yeah, that sure. uh, January, in some ways, may prove to be a turning point in the history of the United States and the history of the world. Right. Thank you, uh, Dr. Horn. Um, just a range of analysis there. What we're going to do, we're going to take a short station break, and when we return, we'll continue with our weekly roundtable. You won't want to miss any of this. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Everybody. song Wake Up by Russell Taylor. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. It is our weekly roundtable with Laura Carlson, Jackie Goldberg, Dr. Gerald Horn. Check out our website at www.sotrueradio.org. If you're a member of Facebook, like and friend us on Facebook. Our handle on Instagram and Twitter at SoTrueRadio. And we're worldwide and nationwide on SoundCloud. And uh, today we'd like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in the United States in, uh, let's see, let's do El Monte, uh, California, and internationally, a uh, shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in Germany. We are now going to be continuing our discussion, I mean, uh, amazing, historic uh, week, the takeover, the overrun of the Capitol building by a white mob of Trump supporters. Something like that hasn't happened to the Capitol since the British invaded it and uh, burnt uh, the Capitol building in the War of 1812. That's how historic this is. And and now you have this, um, the, the QAnon and the Trump supporters and white supremacists, very, very emboldened by what happened. Uh, we're going to wrap up our show now with a discussion of really what uh, needs to happen. There have been a slew of resignations on the uh, part, some Trump cabinet members and staffers, and a lot of people are saying, well, uh, so what? It doesn't really mean anything. And um, also, we encourage our panelists, if they want to weigh in on anything, as, as Dr. Gerald Horn just did on the Georgia election, now would be the time to do it. But let's go to uh, this clip now, which is from CNN, and it's Chris Cuomo trying to pull some information out. We have a lot of information under the category of what happens next. Inside the White House, the dam is finally broken. Trump apparently has finally gone too far. They're running for the exits in the White House tonight. We told you a moment ago that CNN has learned that Education Secretary Betsy DeVos just quit, supposedly over Trump's response to the attempted coup at the Capitol. Just moments ago, CNN confirmed that the Assistant Secretary for Health and Human Services just resigned. Her name is Eleanor McCants Katz. She says that she had planned to stay, but now she says, quote, I cannot support language that results in incitement of violence and risks our very existence. So now we're at two cabinet members gone, along with several White House staffers, including Stephanie Graham. Now, 
there is, uh, sorry, Stephanie Grisham. Now, there is no question that these matter. They show the level of disrepair around Trump. They show what he has wrought. They show why he may be remembered as the worst. Why do I say may and not must or will? Because it's up to you. It's up to history. It's up to those who make up a reckoning about it. But they're absolutely evidence of that. My point is, there's also a so what factor to this. I do not believe that these people receive a grace for what they're doing now. I don't think it's high ground. I really believe the more responsible thing with everything you stayed for, everything you stayed for, this was too much because it was too dangerous. Really? But the kids in cages, no? No? The demonizing people because they're different? No? No? The mocking, the integrity of all our institutions on a regular basis, the unmitigated goal to lie about everything, that wasn't enough. Then you had some sense of higher duty, then it was mitigated, then it was about the media, but now it's too much. With weeks to go when your absence will actually create a vacuum of responsibility that will actually hinder the new administration. I do not think these people should be applauded. Uh, and we've heard President-elect Joe Biden say, I don't think that Trump should be investigated after this. Why? Well, the obvious political exigency is get him gone. And it's not easy to get a sitting president for anything. We saw that. You saw it all too well. And this is no easy case either. As obvious as it is, the context matters. And bringing a prosecution does have a discretionary element as well. What about that pushback? That is it worth it? You may not get him. And, you, you know, if it comes to a vote in Congress, it's not going to happen. So what is the value? You know, we've had a really vigorous debate about that up until this point. I've had it with with you right here on this show and Preet and other people. And it's been it's been interesting. Right. There is an argument that says you let the pro the professional prosecutors decide. And if there's a case that needs to be brought, you let them bring it. And the other, on the other hand, the political reality of what the, the new president will face is you say, well, maybe President uh, President-elect Biden wants to turn the page on this period, wants to put it all behind us and bring the country back together. Those are, are, are both compelling arguments. That was before yesterday. Now we have a sitting president who very likely may have participated in a conspiracy, a seditious conspiracy, have exhorted and directed an attack on our government, an attack on the Capitol in which lives were lost and the Capitol was ransacked. I think that changes the terms of this debate considerably. I think it has to be investigated. And if there is a case to be brought and the attorney general makes that decision, it should go forward. Does the tape that he put out today saying there should be punishment if you broke the law, you don't represent the country, does that mitigate his exposure? No. No, it's a, such an obviously self-serving uh, and false statement on his behalf. He makes all kinds of claims in there about things that didn't actually happen, about you know his immediate deployment of, uh, of the National Guard, which we know didn't happen. So I don't think that helps him at all. It certainly doesn't undo all of the other statements, the social media posts, the speech mm. to the crowd that morning. Uh, you can't unring that bell. All righty, and that was uh, Andrew uh, McCabe, the voice that you just heard, uh, very damning on, on Donald Trump. Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Laura Carlson. We have just about uh, 10 minutes or so for this round, so all of you please be mindful of, of that time. Uh, but Laura Carlson, 
Um, this whole debate about what should happen uh, next, you have some members uh, resigning. You also have uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee introduce articles of impeachment against uh, Trump. She said that if the administration refuses to invoke the 25th Amendment, which would involve Mike Pence signing on to it, and Mike Pence says he will not do it, that she will move forward with these articles of impeachment. Republican Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska said that Trump has acted shamefully and that he would definitely consider any articles of impeachment approved by the House. Um, your thoughts, Laura Carlson, on what should happen next? There's also a strong grassroots movement for articles of impeachment. Um, the 25th Amendment, what it does is remove the president for incapacity, which can include the situation that we're facing now. But as you mentioned, it requires the vice president to sign on, as well as the majority of the cabinet. That's another reason why I'm totally in agreement with the clip in the sense that these cabinet members who are supposedly out of moral reasons resigning at this point are really just trying to look to their political future and have no moral authority or any high ground whatsoever for doing this. And in fact, they're undermining any effort to get a 25th Amendment. Um, uh, injunction, basically. It's a suspension of the president. But as you say, there's also the blockade of, of Mike Pence not signing on. It's important to go through with impeachment procedures. It's important historically. And the other thing is that when they talk about going through with impeachment, even though there's less than two weeks left in his term, there's another part of that, which is disqualification, and that's the really important part. And that can take place apparently even after he loses, after he leaves office, in which there's a decision that he's disqualified and barred from holding public office. And with all the declarations that he said regarding his return to uh, public, you know, to run in 2024, it's very important. The second is that the right is, as you say, emboldened. They came out. Of the, of the Capitol building saying, and these are quotes, next time when we, co we come back, we won't be peaceful, as if they were this time. We stop the vote. When we come back, we're going to be armed, murder the media. No, these are the kinds of statements that are coming out and on social movement, on social media. And Trump in his video, which was supposed to be conciliatory, ends with, to my wonderful supporters, I want you to know that our incredible journey is only just beginning. Yeah, notable, so notable indeed. People. Absolutely, yeah, thank finally, you. Finally, the social mm -hmm. movements are are taking are taking the high road, and saying yes, this happened. We're not that surprised. We know who these people are. We're prepared, and um, and they're really falling back on what happened and emphasizing what happened in Georgia. Say, look. We won in Georgia. We did something amazing. We need to go on from there and confront this backlash. We knew there'd be a backlash. And what that indicates, and this is exactly what Movement for Black Lives said, it indicates that we've changed the balance of power and we're going to continue to change it. Right. And, and Jackie Goldberg, I mean, looking, you know, speaking briefly with you and you were talking about um, being what's happening, being reminiscent of what was going on in Germany in the 1930s. You yes, saw the, the a mob attack and beat this black woman in Los Angeles simply because uh, she's black. And Laura is right. The final words of Donald Trump to me in that conciliatory statement was really another call to arms. Uh, your thoughts on what you think should happen now? Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and you know, I don't – those people who are resigning from the cabinet are resigning to protect themselves from having to vote on, on Amendment 25. So that, this is no uh, – they're not, they're not leaving Trump. They're helping Trump. So nobody should think that DeVos is doing anything but helping Trump. The same thing with everybody else, all the secretaries that are leaving. They don't want to have to vote on it, so they're just leaving so they don't have to vote on it. Cowards that they have been all along. I mean, I think that's the most important thing that probably we need to remember is, is that there are just a whole bunch of people in Washington, D.C., in our government who have our after their name, whose first goal in life is their political, personal ambition and the hell with the country. And so I think he should be impeached. I think he should, we should do whatever we can to prevent him from ever holding office again. He should be investigated by the uh, Defense Department, uh, by the, uh, by, pardon me, by the, uh, by the Justice Department in, in Washington, D.C. He committed real crimes of sedition as the president of the United States, and we need to try every single method at our, in our toolkit to hold him responsible. The key here is what didn't happen in Germany in the 1930s. What didn't happen in Germany in the 1930s was a whole bunch of people said, well, this will pass. It's not so big. It's, look, they've just done a few things. It was when they started murdering all of the people in the parliament in Germany, in the, Bund in the Bundstadt, when, when they started murdering all of them because they were not going along with, uh, with Hitler, then they began to realize that things were really much more serious than they thought. We do not need to wait to see assassinations going on in our country before we take very strong, immediate FBI investigations, arrests, prosecutions, convictions, and jailing. And it has to happen to, from the president to everybody who conspired to make that mess and everybody who broke into that building and disturbed, made made legislators fear for their lives and their staff fear for their lives. There were staff members who were telling people, their families, that they thought they might not see them again and that they loved them. That has not got to go unpunished. Right. And, and Dr. Horn, the New York Times is just reporting that uh, Trump has said he would not attend the inauguration of uh, Biden. And that in itself sends a, a message. So just wrapping the show up, you'll have the last word, uh, Dr. Horn, on all of this. I mean, Trump came down the escalator announcing his run on using racist language. So no surprise to me and a number of, of people of color and other people that it has ended up in this way. But he, like many others, I'm convinced they really do want a race war, Dr. Gerald Horn. Well, first of all, we should not only consider removing Trump from office before his term ends, but also expulsion of members of Congress, which happened in 1861, you may recall, with regard to these southern traitors who were about to launch a civil war or in the process of launching civil war. Certainly, the foot soldiers need to be prosecuted, not only because it makes the streets safer by removing fascists and neo-fascists from the streets, but also it sends a signal with regard to deterring others who may want to go down that road. And also it should help to accomplish one of our strategic objectives, which is splitting the Republican Party, because prosecuting the foot soldiers will cause strains within the Republican Party coalition which inevitably should lead to a split. And certainly with regard to folks on the left, as my previous remarks suggested, we really need to get up to speed ideologically. Certainly we need to stress this point, as we have been stressing, that Black Lives Matter protesters uh, have been treated differently and will be treated differently. 
And what we should say also is that that is not a bug of the system, feature of the system. It flows inevitably from how the, the nation was created. And we should stop taking the soft line towards these fascists, these three percenters and alt-right forces, and assuming that just because some of them are working class or lower middle class, that somehow they are progressive in disguise. I think that they need to be put in jail. And finally, we need to be very concerned about something that the Drudge Report, the right-wing website, rooted just a few days ago before January 6th, where they suspected that there would be a fake attack on Washington that would be blamed on Iran that then would allow the Trump regime to launch a war on Iran and thereby declare a state of emergency and somehow extend his lease in office. I don't think that'll happen, but we should still be on guard. Absolutely. And it's very worrying, this announcement of Trump, that he will not attend the inauguration. This combined with the threats of the mob that managed to overrun the Capitol, that they are returning to Washington, D.C. with weapons. Um, and um, we all better uh, hold on to our seats. As somebody said, we're in for a bumpy ride here. Well, another fascinating uh, roundtable. Thank each and every one of you. What a way to kick off uh, 2021. Um, uh, thank you to all of our panelists, and I'd like to thank the Sojourner Truth team. Today's show produced by me, that's Margaret Prescott, our audio engineer, Kiana Williams, our assistant producer, Romero Funes. If you'd like a copy of today's show, please contact the Pacifica Radio Archives at 1-800-735-0230 or go online to pacificaradioarchives.org. And, uh, and let's keep our wits about us. Y'all, please stay safe. We are in for a bumpy ride. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Margaret Prescott.